Do you love human design, but sometimes feel off-put by the gatekeeping and culty vibes? We did too. Here at Human Design Hot Topics, we encourage breaking the human design rules and experimenting for yourself. Take what resonates and leave the rest. We will be sharing the controversial pieces of human design, as well as challenging our guests to spill their guts. Hello, welcome to this very exciting guest episode of Hot Topics. Yay! Yay! So excited! So you have your normal voices and normal faces, Janelle and Rebecca. And Rebecca. And then we got a new one. Hi, Erica. Hi. We're so happy to have you. Um, And we'll get into some human design stuff later, but I want Erica to talk about herself a little bit. Um, We met three years ago in a human design mentorship program Mm -hmm. that totally changed my whole life and my whole connection with human design. And then since then, you've been doing some really cool, interesting things that I really have don't really have anything to do with human design, but are really awesome. And I, you know, <laughs> like, they're really neat. Yeah. You know, I think it's funny because I studied two large systems, right? So the system of human design and then the system of orosoma, which orosoma is um, essentially a system of color plant and crystal frequencies. It's living energy and it's something that I read. So I read color language. Um, and it also has the I Ching in it, for instance. Oh, I didn't six, know that. Yeah. So there is some interesting overlap, um, which I didn't know until I was getting deeper into the Orosoma system and reading um, the wisdom from that point of view. And I was just like, wow, this is one day I'm going to figure out how to combine <laughs> both human design and Orosoma. I don't think it's been done, but one day I might figure it out. But yeah, so I'm the owner and a practitioner um, at my company called Guided Place. And it's essentially a place that you can come to, to, you know, whether you're looking into self-exploration and discovery, um, or you're looking for that reflection to be guided by, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Orosoma is a way that we can look at the language of the unconscious, So what is wanting to come into the conscious for us to either acknowledge or activate or recognize to come home to ourselves, Um, just like human design for me is very much a system of being able to reflect back who I am. What is Mm -hmm. my potential? What is my possibility? What is the frequency in which I can exist and operate from? Um, I look at where some is a very similar way. It's just different. Um, different ways of coming into the information, right? Someone might be really attracted to the color and less attracted to the sort of um, what might feel logical or logic system with um, human design, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also am a color light therapist. So again, working with the same sort of frequency of color, it works uh, in the subtle anatomy. So um, on acupressure and within the subtle body. Mm-hmm. So think like Reiki, or some of those mm-hmm. modalities is very similar to that. It's very relaxing. You're on um, a Reiki table and it's done uh, primarily on the front body, but there are certain sessions that would be on the back body too. Uh, so that's kind of like a nutshell, <laughs> quick mm-hmm. nutshell of what I do or what I offer. I also run women's circles, um, primarily focused on embodiment and rewilding ourselves um, back to nature. Very, very cool. I love all that stuff. So beautiful. Thank and you. I gotta say, I love the Orosoma because every time you post, you do like the weekly things and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. pick one of these three. And every time I'm like half annoyed. I'm like, how did you know? <laughs> I know, isn't it wild? It's because we're attracted to the to the frequency that we need, right? So it's being reflected from your own color, your own energetic being, mm-hmm. right? And we know color and tone has something to play with with human design too, right? If mm-hmm. we really go into the deep level, which I am, you know, I don't read all of that, but it's interesting how color has come up so much for me as a way, as a means um, to see myself more fully right mm-hmm. so those sessions those weekly sessions on instagram it's like you go you see which bottle resonates for you and then you look at those wisdoms and that's just a snapshot of what that bottle offers mm-hmm. um so i could post the same bottle and look at it from a different viewpoint and share but um you know it has numerology in it it's got the tarot within it it has the I Ching within it and then of course each 
um, you know, color language on its own has its has its own language and expression. Um, and then you can actually use the bottles, which is those who are listening and not watching. I'm, I'm holding one of the bottles and you can actually shake the bottles and put this as a body oil on the body. Oh, so cool. Much like someone might hold a crystal or use a crystal for some sort of energetic resonance, right? The bottle you choose, the equilibrium that you work with, or what we refer to as journey with, is really, um, think about it as like a, a supplement, a, a way of understanding what the soul's asking this body to hold. What is the vessel wanting me to uh, bring into this vibrational state? And instead of your floral essences and your plant medicine and your crystals, it's all just sort of in one bottle. Now, this is non-psychedelic plant medicine. Sorry, guys. (laughs) But it does go onto the body. But it's incredibly, all these energetics are made out um, on Shire Farm, which is a biodynamic farm in England. It's incredibly beautiful and incredibly um, intentional work, Um, even down to the pH of the water. So the water that's used within the system um, is the pH for most um, absorbent to the human skin and to work with our lymph system. So I love it. I really only work with stuff that I love. If I'm using it, then I'm probably sharing it. (laughs) It's so amazing how deep that whole system goes. Yeah, Yeah. it's wild. And my mentor who's been, you know, working with this system since the beginning, you know, hearing her speak or hearing just like, you know, she's probably used almost every bottle in the system and has insight even on that layer where it's like, I may, I've only used 11 bottles at this point, you know, but it doesn't mean I can't read them obviously, but the energy is just so different when you can embody it. Right. Mm-hmm. When you know it from your own experience, especially me, I'm a three. Right. So like, right. I want to well, know it. Yes. <laughs> if I know it, then I'll get it. Um, so I can't wait till one day I have had the expression of, of knowing more of the frequencies. And yeah, I'm glad you help. brought up the three line because that's something we all have in common. Triple three. A three six. I'm a one three and then you're a three five. Mm-hmm. So that makes even more sense. You embody that energy and then you're able to, I mean, if I'm just reflecting on everything you just said, like all this deep system, multiple deep systems, and you just really universalized it in such a beautiful way. Like, yes, here's, here's a thing. <laughs> yeah. It's at 40 through 23, you know, you mastered like... the system. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I mastered it guys. Don't let them fool you. Uh, I, I'm willing to, to play with my own frequency and energetics. Right. And I think yeah. that like, even our chart is everything's a spectrum right Mm -hmm. Um, there's always the high and the low and it just matters what frequency are you on Mm -hmm. very cool well that is awesome so now you all know that erica's a three five what else what else are you human designy wise i'm a three five emotional projector and my openness lies in my sacral and my crown or head depending on which school of thought you come from that's it Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm an energy projector. So, um, yeah. there's a lot of definition there, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's interesting. Like every channel is still projected for me. So despite all the, all the noise, everything's still projected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's part of what I think Janelle and I get so curious about because with both of us being mental projectors, we have the open body. And then we look at you and we're like, oh, well, Erica has all the wisdom. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, I think that's what's such a fun um, kind of myth to explore, even in that, right? That mm-hmm. having definition has been, I think, translated into something that's like better or good. Mm-hmm. Or um, it's good to be defined because then you don't have conditioning. And I think therein lies the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean anything's, you know, good or bad. There's only high and there's low, right? Then when we talk about spectrum of frequency. So um, when I think about my open centers, I don't think about them in a way where they may hold me back. I think about them in a way of like where they will bring me wisdom and where can I actually look from that lens to see things differently in how I'm defined, um, or the challenges I bring upon myself, <laughs> like, <laughs> are where are they actually coming from? You know, mm-hmm. 
How do you see your openness? I love that you said, because I totally agree with you that a lot of times people look at the defined centers as easy and the mm-hmm. undefined centers as difficult. That's what I, when I first saw this, I was like, oh my God, my, my design is so hard. Like this just looks so like difficult to deal with and, and manage. And that's how I first came to it was that open mm-hmm. centers meant like, oh no. And when I read for people, I don't want it to come off that way, but I think because of the way that we are conditioned as human beings, like when you learn that you're open in this place and you um, intensify the energy when you take it into your body and when you learn to become wise, you hold space in those places, all that stuff is like, I don't want to do that. Like why, who wants to do any of that shit? Like you want the defined center because it's like, oh, I have this. So I have it. And now you're telling me I don't have it. And I still have to tell everybody, I'm like, look, you have this whole thing, consistent, inconsistent. That's, that's the deal. But even in my own body, sometimes I'm like, like, this is difficult. But recently I've been able to look at my undefined centers and think like, this is where my magical powers lie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, it has, it has helped me to realize I don't have to try to figure it out, like be, get mm. wise really fast because I'm very impatient. So <laughs> how, about you? <laughs> how about you, Rebecca? We have the same undefined centers. So yeah, yeah. Um, similar, like it was kind of exhausting. It was both relieving and exhausting at first because I thought, okay, now I understand why I overthink everything and why I feel so sensitive. Like, great. Okay, so now I have a map. Um, and it's been really helpful, especially on the days where I can literally hear all seven of the not self voices yelling all at once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, now I can just listen. Like I have a preschool class in my head. I'm like, okay, yeah, y'all just throw your fit and then we'll take care of it. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's, it's helped me navigate so much to just understand the wisdom of what's happening in there. And I think um, a lot of, I hear a lot of mental projectors, like Janelle said, just think like, okay, well, we have all this openness so we don't have anything. So wouldn't life be greater if we were a generator? Wouldn't life be better if we had some definition down here? And I definitely get in my three-line martyr mode about it sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if if I just had one well, thing down there. It's conditioning of the human, of humans is to look at things, other things that people have and go, I want that thing. Like, yeah. My dogs do it. They have their own toy and then they're playing <laughs> and then they look over and go, oh, I want what you have, even though I'm fine over here. And I think it's, maybe it's not even humans. Maybe it's even more than just humans, animals too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want what the other person has unconsciously, but it's what you do with it, which Rebecca, you're really good at like recognizing that that's a, a human conditioning thing and going, okay. I'll let that thing run its course. And now we're going to move forward. Um, yeah. I feel like you're really mm. good at, at recognizing the conditioning. Cause we can't like change it or stop it or do stuff to it, even though I want to really bad. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but you see it really fast. You see it in me too. You'll be like, you'll tell me. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> but can <we> just-, <laughs> <laughs> you just pretend like you didn't say it out loud. Um, <laughs> oh. well, and it's been interesting too, when I started noticing the conditioning I had through my defined Ashna, right. Or my voice and thinking back about how much I shut myself down. I like, I literally thought I wasn't smart for a lot of my life mm. growing up and I wouldn't share what I knew because it seemed like it annoyed people or it annoyed people mm-hmm. to ask questions. I literally only have the channel of curiosity. Like, I don't know how to navigate life without asking yeah. questions. Her and I really so. had this like conditioning of silencing our voices, even though that was all we, that was our definition. I completely relate to that. And I have yeah. to define Ajna and I have a defined throat, but I think that open crown often made me go like, gosh, like I have to determine whether what I have inside my insights, my opinions, my beliefs are inspirational. Are they worth being heard? Does mm-hmm. the collective want to hear this or, you know what I mean? But also mm-hmm. that, th- yeah. I mean, I think the 43, 23 at a very young age, 
hit me in such a way that was like, you know, you can only be so weird and then you don't belong. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think the sort of conditioning of, of the sense of belonging and community that, um, you know, definitely as you're coming of age, we seek so, so much through friendship, through community, through school, through um, sports, academics, whatever, um, that you want to belong. And when you start to realize like, oh, certain things said, whether I was talking about spirituality or, um, or, you know, liking both girls and boys, right? It's like you, Mm -hmm. there's so much that shows up that says like, ooh, we don't share that because if we share that, then we get put on like the other mm-hmm. list, right? Yes. And and I really, I even saw, I feel, I found myself from high school to probably in college, um, that change, like sitting further and further back in class and raising my hand less, right? Because I would have so much critical judgment or doubt on, on whether what I was saying was, was worth being said. I so relate to that. Yes. Yes. Because it's scary to share something, you know, and then it not be received well somehow. And I can only imagine with you with the 2343, having such an individual voice to share that it was kind of rocky growing up. Yeah. I see that in my kid with the 2343 and and it's in his incarnation cross it's very Mm. strong so I've done my best to nurture it but it's fascinating to watch to watch it grow Mm -hmm. I have the hanging 43 right the one from the Ajna it's 43 right yeah um so (laughs) I told I love it when you said there's you can only be so weird like (laughs) um I think you're young you're younger than us right by a little I don't know. Bit. I'm 38. Yeah. We all kind of grew up around the same ish time. So yeah. um, it's just like you said, now there's a lot more room for the weird, but in like the eighties, nineties, you could only be so weird before people were like, what's, what's happening? What's going on? And I love that you said that. Cause I was the same way. I was like, okay, like how much can I show people um, mm-hmm. about how different I feel like I am and how much is like, not for them. I don't know. It was very, I mean, I have the hanging gate, so I feel like a lot of my stuff, I can't, I have a hard time articulating. Mm. Um, I know what I want to say and I know what I want it to sound like, but when I start to talk, it's just like, that wasn't it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think like having permission to, to you know say something and be like actually that's let me go back there that's not what I meant and let me reframe you know um so you can get it out right Mm -hmm. and for me Mm -hmm. growing up like so my mom was um you know my my dad was Roman Catholic my mom was of metaphysical faith so she was very much uh going to school metaphysics definitely you know if I was ill we were checking out the biofeedback you know I I had past life regressions when I was young you know there there was all this experience in spirituality and and mystical experiences but I definitely understood quickly when I watched someone eye roll when my mom was sharing something that like that's that's weird this is different and we have to not share those parts of ourselves. So even just like intuition blocking, um, not expressing yourself in, in authentic ways was very much part of my MO really young mm-hmm. um, because it didn't feel safe to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and, and especially add the projector aura into it where you're just <laughs> and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. So I think, like, despite my definition in the Ajna, I think having the open crown will often have me lean into the the critical aspects or the need to prove, right? And a lot mm-hmm. of the things that I feel like come through me, um, and speaking more on a spiritual sense, is there there is no way to say how I know, yeah, but I know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that yeah. becomes really challenging. So yeah. then I think that the those few things that I have open become very loud. 
mm-hmm. instead of like this mix of like where there's more openness. I think there it feels like perhaps there may be more gentleness in that. Um, I don't know. You'll have to tell me. That's true. You know, where Actually, like yeah that's landing for me really Mm because that makes sense because it's like there's more concentration in your openness having just two and it's Mm -hmm. one's a pressure center and then of course one's the sacral but with Janelle and I we have seven openness we just kind of look with it we're like okay well we got to work with this openness we got and when the transits define stuff or if I'm defined with other people they get louder like my root when it's defined in transits gets very annoying um or (laughs) if I'm if it's defined somebody like the voice of it is like Mm -hmm. angrier and more like pushy um Mm. than when it's just undefined and it's doing its thing but when it gets defined it's like hey like (laughs) listen and so I can see how the defined centers might come off as more of as like louder or more authoritative they're like we've got energy behind us like listen you know yeah and so I think that that what you feel is my is the opposite of what I feel right so it's like my openness feels really loud not my Mm -hmm. definition Mm -hmm. because I have so much defined right yeah yeah yeah, so it's like I'll like to me when I look at definition I'm almost looking at like my potential my possibility my like higher expression or um you know what this could be Mm -hmm. (laughs) and often looking through the lens of the openness um to see where I'm holding myself back Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even with like, you know, identity, right? Like I have a defined identity. And I do think I have a really strong sense of who I am. And I think I always have, whether I was open to sharing it or not, right? Um, but I don't think like when I think about my sacral, the open sacral, oh my God, work was my identity. You know, I was I was a casting director in Chicago for 10 years. And I eat, sleep, breathe casting. I mean, I was literally casting at a regional theater during the day and then had my own casting company at night. And it was Mm -hmm. just like, I leaned so hard into productivity being my identity to, to the title or the role being who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, I wore busyness, like a badge of honor. Like I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I valued myself so much through what I was putting out right mm-hmm. through through a center that <laughs> that doesn't yeah. really work that way right mm-hmm. so I think like a lot of the condition even in my identity was because of the open center and it took me a long time to find value in myself that that didn't have to do with workforce energy to be transparent because I think well a we're in America so everything's like what do you do how do you, you know what's your right. role and I even found like um as I shifted more into this work more into actually working in a more, I guess I would say aligned, authentic way. Um, I was scared. Like if I was on a play date with my say like oldest kids, friend, family, and they were like, what do you do? It was really hard to be like, well, uh, I own a spiritual wellness center. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like the looks or the confusion or the like, what does that mean? And particularly in regions where it may, um, you know, if anything that seems not religious means it's the devil's work or something Mm -hmm. scary right um can be complicated and also there's the expectation of like well is Vivian going to go through the same experience I did with my mom like where she could watch people roll their eyes about who I am or what I do Mm. right Mm -hmm. so workforce energy became a really big I think place I had to examine I loved mm-hmm. casting. I absolutely loved that job. And it was only through circumstances that really left it. And by, I think, universal push that that landed me here doing the work that I'm doing. But at the end of the day, it was really hard to separate who I actually am from what I actually do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can yeah. relate to that for sure. I think that's part openness and part just growing up as a female. It, human in the 80s where it's like I didn't realize how much that was ingrained in me until very recently where it's like you know you grow up you become a wife like you have this role you're identified as a role not as a person yeah Mm -hmm. and even more so confusing because it's like we we were living at a time I think where we were first opening to to more opportunities for women right Mm -hmm. there was no expectation for my mom to go to college zero 
but there Mm. was a beginning of like exploring like oh well you could go to college you know um and that was different right so there was all already something like more accessible so we, we had like all these different routes and opportunities that weren't really I guess like supported in the upbringing part so it was like landing in this place of like well now I gotta tune into like what do I want to do at 18 the for the rest of my life right mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how anybody does that <laughs> defining no, no, your identity insane. or not Um, (laughs) that's true well I have a question about the heart center specifically because this is one Mm. Janelle and I talk about a lot where we're like we get confused about pricing things or um, oh yeah you know like or like value and stuff I know for me personally that's been an interesting journey and I have consulted you on things because I finally for me I just came to this spot where I'm like I just don't get it yet. Like I'm still experimenting. I'm still like gathering information to understand it, but I, I don't come at it from a place of me not being valuable anymore. It's just literally Mm -hmm. like, I just literally don't have any clue on what number to put on this offering. Mm -hmm. So can you help me? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then I know that you've talked about some conditioning you feel within your heart center, which kind of surprised me on a certain level. So can you talk about your relationship with your heart center? Yeah, I'll be curious what you remember me talking about specifically, but because um, I think it hits different times at different <laughs> areas in life. But I would say, like, for me, I'll often have this the relationship with the ego that's more about almost like, can I consistently hold something? Like, mm-hmm. it's more like I ask myself, is my heart in it? And if it's not, I, I cannot actually persevere despite having willpower, right? Mm-hmm. And so it sadly has interpreted mm-hmm. a lot like capability. Like, am I capable? Yeah. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yes. And so I think like my, my open sacral really impacts that because I think there's a lot of like um, – I have a gate defined like uh, in the sacral, which then leads to being a conditioning receptor, right? So about rhythm, for instance, um, Mm -hmm. I had desired that I really wanted to run a 5K and I had never run a 5K before. And I wasn't at that point even running, like I wasn't even going to the gym. And I was like, it was on a bucket list when I was 35, I was turning 38 and I was like, I still haven't done this. And so then my husband signed me up for it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. I guess, I guess I'm doing this thing, right? And then I noticed I was like, okay, well, my heart's in it. I'm gonna go for it, right? But it was this energy of saying, okay, I'm signed up. My heart's in it. I'm gonna do it. But the work of running constantly was like you are not capable you don't have consistent energy you aren't enough Mm -hmm. to accomplish this right so it was really hard to work Mm -hmm. with that willpower energy to do it to get it done because I wanted to do it so badly but the messaging was so loud that I'm not capable that you're too fat that you're this that 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 you don't know how to do this right you don't have stamina so it was interesting in the way that like the openness or um what people think is like not conditioning in the open center or in the defined centers is loud because of my openness Mm -hmm. I also think that like I felt like I was always interpreted as competitive with other women like growing up right so I didn't understand this I didn't understand why relationships with women seem to be challenging sometimes and like an unconscious thing like like no yes. matter what you did or how you acted, they always felt like you were competing with them. Um, I would not say, oh, the I don't say every single relationship, but yes, this would come up for me. And I, I literally remember hearing it when we were studying with Jess and Teo and just being like, like this huge release of like pain and shame about like this dynamic that I wasn't creating intentionally with people that perhaps they were just feeling it through their openness and my definition here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I look at the open ego, I, and while mine's defined, you know, majority of who I'm reading for is not, um, then 
I look at it as hopefully someone is showing you possibility and it's mm-hmm. not competitiveness, right? Maybe someone mm-hmm. is showing you what potential is or um, every time you feel you know, insecure about something, you start looking at, I don't know, follower numbers or something. <laughs> like something that I don't give a shit about but like and that triggers you into thinking like oh god she's doing this and getting all these followers and she's posting this and it's working for her and it's like well just because like it's possibility she's good she's just showing you what's possible that's awesome she's mm-hmm. doing that and it's working <laughs> like and yeah. not that it's a direct compet or competitive nature a direct threat I don't know the the ego, open ego is it's interesting because I think like for me to really activate like willpower, it it has to filter through a lot of shadow. Yeah, and a like lot it, of the other stuff that you are like a projector mm-hmm. with an undefined sacral, like mm-hmm. having a defined heart and an undefined sacral is is like like you said it's a it's a mix that's you have to experiment with especially as a third line um and i thought it was really cool because the the heart center is kind of here to prove through action Mm -hmm. and earlier when you talked about the aja center you talked about proving there as well and i feel like that's that is very true and that's place you can feel proving energy but i feel like it's proving through intelligence through words through Mm -hmm. like how succinct and smart can you sound and the heart energy proving is like, how can I prove through action? Like, what can yes. I do to prove to people? And even are my desires worthy, right? Like, I will mm-hmm. just, I will always justify constantly my choice to do something to like my husband or family, whatever, um, to, to make sure that people understand why I think that that's important for me to do, right? So mm-hmm. it does feel like a constant state of proving, Um, which I don't know is actually healthy even with (laughs) definition right yeah I would say that it's the um, ability to do that through your actions instead of through your aura Mm -hmm. right instead of through your energetics Um, so that it might it might look like I need to um, justify (laughs) my desires or the things that I'm moving towards or doing um But it also can look a lot like, um, I want to use the word self-doubt, but that's probably more of the like open crown conditioning in it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But it, I don't know. It's interesting. What do you remember me saying, talking about the ego money? Was it in regards to money? Mm -hmm. I think so. (laughs) I'm trying to remember now because you're like, you know, sometimes I have trouble with it too. Yeah. No, but I, I do. I was talking about how, you know, it's such a pain point to put prices on something that you love and that you do yeah. and you want everyone to experience. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of great shame. Right. Um, and I think shame is a really interesting frequency. Um, and it comes back to this. This tr- sort of like this isn't accepted. If mm-hmm. I love what I yes. do, um, I shouldn't be charging for it. I grew grew up obviously in the nonprofit arts, right? Doing casting. And even then, if you're, they can say like, well, we're not going to pay you well at entry level because you should be grateful that you're even here doing mm-hmm. this work. Like mm-hmm. you love your job. I mean, I got to play all day. I loved my job. Um, <laughs> and, and you just accept that yeah. because that's the way it is. But what's weird about the ego and what I've really leaned into is agreements. What are the agreements that I continue to make with myself that I no longer need to make? So the agreement of to do this kind of work means that I have to, you know, you know, pay bills by the skin of my teeth or whatever the saying is, right? It's Mm -hmm. like that, that I have to be a struggling artist, right? Whatever that saying is. And it's like, I don't agree to that anymore. For Mm -hmm. me, it's like, you're paying because I took the time to study in the way that you don't have time for. So Mm -hmm. you're paying for the reflection of those studies. Yes. And that gave me the permission to charge what felt good for me. Mm. And I think it is hard. I think anybody with it defined or undefined is going to struggle with money. And I would even go as far as like, because of our gender identity. Yeah, for sure. But, um, 
if we're the role of the nurturer, how can you possibly ask for something in return? Right. You're the caregiver. Because we do get that so much. I even see that in the school system a bunch. Like I believe a lot of the reason why we have issues there is because it's relied so heavily on the free labor of women for so long. Mm. You know, they barely pay the teachers, but most of the teachers are married. They have a husband. Like this is a second thing. It's not throw like, oh, I don't do it for the money. I do it for the kids. Okay, well, you need to start doing it for the money Mm because you're not benefiting anybody. So there's a huge message there. And we're just now getting to a point that we talked about earlier of some transition and energy of that and saying it's okay for women to have a career. It's okay for women to charge their worth and to support themselves. Like we can finally do it. Yeah. I had this really interesting experience where I was training in this um, exploring core values. And as we're going through this process, um, you're allocating specific values in certain um, sort of columns. And one of the first explorations is like, here's all of these like 99 different values and which ones do you immediately know you don't need for a life well-lived? Mm-hmm. And almost every single woman put wealth in that, in that category immediately, that they don't need wealth to, to have a well-lived life. And then while some of us are probably like, oh, yeah, that, that's great that we feel that way. The instructor was like, why do you feel that way, though? Why can mm. you disregard wealth so easily? You know, right. and, and I was just like, oh, um. and oh, the second one was power, wealth and power. Mm. And when did we put those into categories that didn't feel like ours or perhaps were viewed negative to have? And I'm not even joking. Every single woman did that. And I was just like so surprised wow. by this because um, like, why do we feel that money or wealth um, or the opportunity for those things shouldn't be ours? I don't I know. I mean, I can remember. Patriarchy. Like, <laughs> yeah. But like, I remember, you know, I didn't study finance. I didn't take any extra. I was just like, I don't know. That's not for me. I don't, I don't need to know about that. I'll can balance a checkbook and that's about it. But it's like, if I had understood, um, like wealth building or, um, or even, you know, a fraction of some of what the finance dudes know, you know, and I saw that more and more as I was working in the startup culture, I was working as a director of product and, and, you know, um, it was be the company I was working for was led by this incredible Colombian woman. And every time we tried to get a seat at a table for raising, whether it was venture capital is uh, money, or it was just like actual fundraising. Um, it, it was very clear that we were not part of the club and wow. it was, it was interesting money dynamics. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> That's Yes. Part two with Erica in the future. Money dynamics with Erica. Really, Phoebe, we need someone else brighter on that one. Uh, Well, my good friend Serena has like a business class and stuff about like money and wealth and teaching things for people. Well, just like you said, because we never learn anything in school, like about investing and all that kind of stuff. So she does like basic things on YouTube. But I I love the supplemental education on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what she started to do. But it's interesting because I saw a post, I think it was on Instagram and somebody put like, I don't know if you saw this, but it was like, you can pick two of the seven pills. And one of the pills was be wealthy. And one of them was to eat whatever you want, never gain weight. And then there was like few others, like read minds for three days or there were some other good ones, but when I went through the comments, every female sounding name put four, 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 never gain weight, never gain weight, four, 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 four. Ew. And I was like, seven, I want to be rich, <laughs> motherfucker. Like, hello. Hey, if you keep us looking in the mirror, we can't do shit. And like some so- of the other ones were really weird. There wasn't like world peace or anything like super altruistic. So to me, mm-hmm. I was like, I want well, to have, if I have money, I could probably do all of these other things. So. Yes. Except maybe read minds, but we yeah, could, we could, we could probably trade was, with the people. It was read minds for three days. I was like, that's the dumbest one I've ever heard. No one's going to pick that. Right. But it was so surprising to me how little people put be rich and how they, many other random things people picked majority of it being don't gain weight. Yeah. So I was oh like, oh, God. Okay. So yeah, I thought that that was really funny. It was really That's funny wild. that you said that thing about how pe- how females will be like, oh, I don't, I don't need money. I think it's because they assume 
they'll be seen as a ne- negatively for wanting that thing for wanting yeah, yeah. wealth. So they have to put it over there or power. They have to be like, no, I don't want those things because that's bad for me to want. Yes. And, and that's the part of the ego, like that. I feel like I have to just to justify my desires, right. That mm. I have to justify what, what I'm in it to win it. Right. Because mm. sometimes it feels bad. Because it feels it, the conditioning you know, of this society it is, is to and make I you feel bad. Exactly. So I can't just rely on this like ability to, you know, hopefully be really savvy at material resources to be able to like push through when I want to to like hit beast mode and like hustle into you know it's like that that doesn't feel good at all to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm a projector after all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really funny. Sometimes my ego feels like the most painful part of me. <laughs> yeah. You know, my friend had a baby t- like two months ago, and I she had me pull her chart immediately. And I was at her place the other day. Mm-hmm. And she asked me to like talk to her about the chart, and mm-hmm. she's the baby is an ego projected projector. Oh, cool! Yep, I know. I yeah. was like, I was like, that girl, is- let's talk about it. And so it was, yeah. it was very interesting because it was very much a lot of she's going to have this energy of of headstrong. There's other parts of it that are going to make her kind of headstrong and stubborn. I'm like, but she doesn't have the sacral center like you do, and mm-hmm. the father does. So I'm like, you're. It's just going to be. There's going to be a lot of times where you're going to need to hold space for her because she can't keep up with you guys. And she's going to try really hard, like really hard. And, and it's just going to be like, hold, like letting her know it's okay, that she doesn't keep up with you and that her energy is going to be inconsistent. Cause I feel like a lot of times with the defined heart and the undefined sacral, just like you said, the undefined sacral kind of amplifies this need to to have willpower and to be strong and to like rawr, use the heart as like this big lion mm-hmm. when in reality you don't have that consistently because of the undefined sacral like that's mm-hmm. very interesting to me and so that's I- where I start getting questioning my capability right and and mm-hmm. she may do that too depending obviously the rest of our chart but it's like that you're like I'm not capable to want that to desire that that might be valuable to me but I can't possibly have the energy to do it and when you think that what do you do I think I'm I think I'm pretty gifted at seeing patterns in myself you know Mm -hmm. as I sort of I don't think I would have been as gifted if I wouldn't have had this framework Mm -hmm. so I usually can say like again I'll go back to distilling to agreements you know am I is it will is it good for me to agree with myself that I'm only capable when I have sacral definition, for instance, or like Mm -hmm. I'm only capable if I feel energized in my body about it. Yeah. And when you feel like the heart wants the thing, does it usually feel correct for you to continue towards that thing, no matter what else is happening? It feels like I have to trust divine timing and divine order. It feels like I have to say, yes, I want it. I've decided upon it. And now I have to find a pace that works for it. And it's inconsistent. Mm. So it may be, it's like, it's like a rhythm that I have to adopt that doesn't feel like mine. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if I, let's ground it into reality. The desire to run the 5k because it was going to (laughs) prove that I was capable um it was gonna make me feel better in my body right maybe lose some inches who knows right there was just things behind it that I could mark it off the bucket list Mm -hmm. and I totally lost my train of thought where was I going oh the what the open sacral did when I started questioning it oh um so then it's like having to work through the rhythm to have that would be okay well you have to consistently train because you you don't run so okay I'll get an app the app will give me the structure to support me to have a rhythm that I do not hold for myself mm-hmm. and were there days particularly where I was like I don't want to do this <laughs> I gotta, the app tells me I have to run two minutes straight and then two minute break you know it'll tell you like run and rest and I remember getting to the point where it was like it wants me to run 20 minutes straight there's no way I can do this no way. It's not going to happen. 
And I was like, just hit play and do it. Just go, just go. And that's where I feel like the willpower shifted in. It was like, mm-hmm. just do it. But it, it was like a timing thing. I don't know how to express like how much I trust now that like if I get into action and get into a pace, despite not having what feels like I want to have rhythm to something or routine even, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have that. I feel very inconsistent in my routines, despite the way I used to operate. I used to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't found my new, I don't know, authentic rhythm. And so adopting rhythms is like once I get into it, then it just like sort of clicks in. And then I'm like, I'm off to the races, literally. And I did it. And um, on race day, I remember saying, I just want to finish. But when I was there, I was all acted, activated up, you know, plus I'm a triple split. So I was like feeling, I think really whole. (laughs) (laughs) And I beat my my personal time, you know what I mean? And so it's like all of these things where you're just like, I'm sure adrenaline running and all that stuff and just the excitement of the crowd and doing something for the first time. But, but it was just funny. I don't know. It was interesting. That's so neat because a lot of times, like Rebecca said, I see people with defined heart and I'm like, like, I feel like it's like this big shiny piece of their chart. And I'm like, oh, this is so neat. Like this, of all the def- defined centers to have, I've sw- switched between that and sacral a lot because it just mm. feels like it would be so cool to, cause I feel like the defined heart kind of gives you this confidence too, even if it's not like a conscious confidence, I feel like it gives you this thing, like you said, where you're like, well, just just do the thing. And then you did the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really neat to hear like, yeah, there's willpower and there's confidence here to do things and get things done. But what else, what's over talking here? to it? Yeah. <laughs> what else <laughs> that do, open should I go like... through and to give yourself consistency for a short period of time as an inconsistent ener- energetic being is really neat because you can do that. But as you said, you probably couldn't hold on to that forever. And to even tell yourself that you have to hold on to it forever might have made stop you from doing the thing. Exactly. So if you're There's the willingness heart, to just be like, all right, it's going to be short. <laughs> it's temporary. All this phase is temporary, yeah. but I wanted to do it so badly, but there you can't just, or I, my body cannot just get up and run a 5k. I had to do, put the work in. Mm-hmm. and it was just wild and I don't know like so with um is it gate five that's rhythms or my yeah. mm-hmm. no that's yeah. my that's yeah so my... having that <laughs> gives me a consistent filter so it's like I guess I knew I needed that even though I don't really have the energy behind it. Yeah. So do you feel like some of your conditioning receptors like give you clues on how to, to work through the openness? Can it be explored yes, that way? I never like, really thought that you, when you just said it that way, I realized that you're now I have to like, look at it. It makes sense to me. No, because I have gate five too, but usually my gate five in the undefined sacral just wants me to have lists and like a consistent do things consistently (laughs) throughout the day, throughout the week, accomplish things and cross things off. Like it wants me to have like a schedule. Like I've talked about this with Rebecca Rebecca before and I'll like consciously start talking about like schedules and routines. Part of that is really good because I have like a morning routine that's like yoga and meditation and my lemon water and like all the stuff that I do every day that's really nice. And I really enjoy it. Those routines I feel like are good. I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I want to get myself into too much of a, of a routine, but the way you said how gate five can help you like systematically look at the undefined centers and the conditioning and be like, Oh, this is talking to me right now. Mm. This is usually what happens after that. This is usually what happens after that. And it's like, unconsciously seeing the patterns of how things are going to go like I'm scheduling the future Mm -hmm. really that actually does make sense to me because I do do that I'm like oh this is what happened last time and then the next thing this is going to be the next thing yeah so in a weird way I feel like those gates that I mean and, and of course you could have a completely open center but like when there's definition there 
like I think about um, 14, I have mm-hmm. open, is that what I have? Yeah, or I have defined mm-hmm. in the open sacral. And I love that it's like being human being versus human doing mm-hmm. that brings in the resources. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like, it's not the hard work that I'm going to put in. It's my willingness to live within my authenticity and on my alignment. Right. And so that being open in my sacral feels very on point because I was so subscribed to hustle grind culture and output energy and um, kind of what societal expectations were instead of just like focusing on this internal landscape that could help understand or help you know, define what that is for me, that it's not the output energy, it's the alignment energy that helps me sort of um, bring my resources online, bring my relationship with money, for instance, in a hopefully a healthier place. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, and I think that if I could challenge myself to look through those gates a little bit more, which I feel like this is just now a new part in the experiment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that I could probably find new ways to move through some of the energy that that tends to be really loud to hold me back. So it's like the not self of the open center gets so loud against anything else. Well, then looking at those gates to help me um, release that as like a pressure mm-hmm. valve mm-hmm. could be useful. Mm-hmm. Have consistency sure. within the inconsistency. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Way, way to nutshell that for me to know. I'm like, <laughs> I was like discovering as I'm talking. So I'm like, but- well, that's what you did when you signed up for that running app is your energy is inconsistent and you're like, well, this is not right now. Yeah. And then it's, oh, and then it's over and you're like, okay, now, you know, yeah. maybe something else will come along that will peak your consistency energy, but otherwise yeah. it's like, you don't have to hold on to it, but there's places where you can stop in the uncertainty and be like, oh, this feels normal or like regular, not normal, like regular in timing Mm -hmm. wise and consistent and to be able to have little places to stop. Cause you're, you're, I have all of my undefined centers. I have at least one defined gate. I don't have any open, like Mm -hmm. open centers. Do you have any open, open Rebecca? No. Yeah. So I think it's really cool for each of us to kind of look at the one or two gates we have. And then, I mean, I have like five or six of my undefined G center. So that's just a whole, <gasps> oh, yeah. a lot, um, but the other ones, I only have like one. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. I might have to look at that. Yeah. I, I feel like if six, that's what I want to explore. And I know, I know the head overwhelms me sometimes. So I think it would be pretty cool to look at that. I have the, um, 6163 defined in there and it's like, mm-hmm. I know that I weaponized doubt a lot, like self-weaponized. <laughs> I know it's not supposed to be turned inward at all, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, it's so easy to do. And all you have to do is put doubt in front of any of those defined centers and it, you have to work through it. So it's not like, oh, I'm defined and <laughs> I blow <laughs> past is great that. Now. <laughs> no. um, and I think that that's the, the sort of beauty and the understanding that it's all still a spectrum. You know, you can be defined and still be really in that, that low or distorted version. Mm-hmm. And we're all still all of it. We're all yes. still the whole chart, no matter if yes. there's colors or no colors. And you, it's, it's to be considered. The whole thing should be considered. Yeah, I agree. This I, has been I, such a great conversation. <laughs> um, but if anyone else wants to ask a question or if you have anything else you want to say, I want to give everybody a minute to kind of, because this has been really wonderful. I, I, I mean, I am curious. I'm curious what, you know, what is it like for you when you have, you know, two or you just have two, right? We both just mm-hmm. have two. Two, yeah. Um, defined. And if you feel like there is a particular open center that is loudest for you. And I know there's the hierarchy. You want to start? You want to start? I'll go first. Yes. So sometimes I just feel like a floating brain. <laughs> That's my definition. Uh, but the loudest one for me 
lately has been that solar plexus man that one it yells a lot Mm -hmm. but I've taken to giving my not self voice it's like a super dramatic teenage girl so I'll just like let it get super dramatic yeah she like voices them in a way that helps (laughs) her detach from it it's so genius that's really cool (laughs) it's a genius move because then it detaches you a little bit from personalizing the energy right Mm -hmm. right so then I can start to see some of the the childhood stories that came in like oh right like this is why certain things like I have my mom is an emotional manifester with the 1222 and you know that one gets angry real quick and so there's so many times where it's mm-hmm. like if I feel any of that I just instantly shut down I'm like oh my god so mm-hmm. it's helped me with that that one I think that's my loudest one lately for sure mm-hmm. yeah I would say the emotional center is probably always going to be the loudest for me, but I, I consciously tell it, I, I don't like emotions. I don't like any, it's a control thing with me. I don't like to deal with it or see it or do with it, especially my own. So I work really hard to push it away. Like Mm. I work really hard to push anything that has to do with the emotional center away. And so when it comes to feeling in my body and like hearing, I would say the loudest ones are the, is, is pressure the pressures, those Mm -hmm. pressures. Um, and I have both of them undefined, but I've talked about this a million times with Rebecca, the root center for me is real mean and angry and the head center pressure. I feel like I'd done this before. Like, I feel like this is the anxiety I've had my whole life. I know what this is. I know what this feels like. I know how to deal with it, to, to lessen it and to refocus, but the root center, that pressure sometimes I just don't know what to like I'm not sure what to do to like Mm. refocus or get it to like lessen or because I know I can't get it to go away so Mm. my controlling brain is like okay well what can you do you have to do something about this and the root center Mm -hmm. is the one that unconsciously just says you have to do something about this like you can't let this continue and it's the mean to me it's the meanest one and it has been (laughs) for a really long time like it's been the one that when I was sussed out all the voices because as Rebecca says they're all we have seven Mm -hmm. of them and they're all just like when I kind of sussed them all out I was like oh you're actually the jerkiest one and I didn't (laughs) even know you were there until human design I thought it was all anxiety jumbled up together but they're different and they feel different and I deal with them differently this one is just hmm, sometimes (laughs) so yeah it's interesting because sometimes I feel like you know we live in a world where so much of our energetics are up here and we really have loss our sort of connection to the root body or to to the energetics of like especially where like feminine power sort of resides which is going to be in that lower body Um, when you're all undefined down there you're like well how do I how do I connect what what is and how can I get out of the like go and more into the flow right so it's like Mm -hmm. we're we're living and particularly as as mental projectors I could imagine putting myself in more of like if we look at it as a binary masculine feminine, putting us more into that masculine dominance energy or the go energy or the like mental energy um, and, and needing to find some sort of way to tap back into that sort of that, that flow or that bottom or the, or the feminine side. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that we could find ourselves in a lot of like opportunities that everything feels like flowing outwards instead of finding things that flow inward. Or, you know, bottom down uh, communication instead of top down communication. But it is really interesting to think. I mean, I love personally, I love a mental projector. I've talked about this, Rebecca, before, but like (laughs) sometimes mental projectors will talk and it's like I literally can actually hear them better. Like I hear with more clarity. not that I didn't love both of our, our, our mentors, Janelle, but sometimes um, I would hear him say something and I would just be like, oh my God, that just hit so differently. And I hey, started oh, to Oh alert. crap, man. It was yeah. like, you'd be like, and whoa, it, what? It, and it, you can see, you could tell in his eyes that he wasn't even, this was just casual 
Like this is how he spoke. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. And you're like, and I would tell him all the time. I'm like, and I tried to speak like him. I'm like, all right, I have to use the words that he uses when I talk about human design. I need to get into because the way he t- and I was realizing, I was like, no, Janelle, you have to be yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's just like you said, the what the nonchalance with the way that he would just say things. Yeah, and you were like, it was it was said? sorcery. <laughs> it's insane. And I would listen to his Instagrams because he would do uh like he used to do like stories on like the profiles and stuff like that. And I would mm-hmm. I listened to my three six three and six separately profiles a bunch of times in a row. Cause I was like, I would miss things. I was like, Oh, that was a cool thing that he said there. Yeah. But I realized that people do that to us too. Mm-hmm. They, they hear us say. say stuff and they're like, not just me and Rebecca, but you too. They hear us say things and they're, it like sticks and you're like, I don't even know what I was talking about when I said that. But, yeah. And everyone yes. has their own unique frequency, which is why it's so cool that like other people are attracted. But I will say I, like nine times out of 10, if I'm speaking to a mental projector, they're going to say something that resonates in a new way for me that I'm like, oh, oh. and so I often just like Rebecca may talk to me about like, like our sort of pricing things. I would easily go to a mental projector and say like, okay, I have this very specific business problem or I want to solve this thing and know that whatever they work through with me is going to be highly beneficial, right? Because mm-hmm. being able to use it as an outer authority, being able to use it as a support system, um, that definition and that pure definition right there, I just think you can see things or a depth of things that we're going to pass up really quickly. Like Rebecca posted that thing the other day and I think I put like my brain exploded on it. I was like, my mind just exploded. I like, I could not comprehend what she was revealing to me. I was like, this is too much. (laughs) And I wanted to understand it, you know, but that's what I, that's what I love about mental projectors. And I often think that the MPs are you know, are the guides for the projectors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? How we feel. We're the guides of the guides. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I kind of love. And it really does. It hits for me. It really does. <laughs> we should explore that. Not in yes. any sort of way that has any sort of motive or outcome, but we should explore mm-hmm. the idea of people coming to us with like a human, like a mental projector advice column, like, like situation where people can actually come to us with like Dude. one-off things, yes. because I feel yeah. like a lot of you times get one in, question with an Oracle. <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like a lot of times in human design, it's like, no, you can't like advise, even if they come to you and ask you for advice. Did you enter this invitation correctly? Did you go through all your shit to decide, okay, I can advise you. No, I want someone to be like, Hey, I need help with this. Okay, cool. Here we go. Like, I feel yeah. like we could, we, you and I would be good at something like that. And it would be a little oh yeah, off yeah. The, to the side because I think that would be so would fun. Be like more rapid fire, which is not like how we normally would work, but I think, or are supposed to work, you know, because we have to go through strategy and authority or <laughs> yeah, and I th- I think that I love when you like take a different sort of exploration too. And I don't know if that's how we're supposed to use like those gates inside open centers either. But like I think it's neat to be able to say like let's just you know this is our threes talking right. Right. <laughs> this is just being like, let's just explore. Let's just try it. Like, like we can't like <laughs> what nothing's gonna come of it except now we know. Yeah, yeah right. um which I think is I really fun Janelle says stuff like that all the time because she's mostly three line and so she's like just experiment with it like there's gonna be some two line listening to her like oh god no do that. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's so funny because I to me Sean who's a two four he's more way more experimental than me because I have mm. like my control I can say oh go experiment do the cool I say it all the time but the action you do in of it I'm not as experimental as I come across. And I feel like he <laughs> really is just because his two four is like, well, whatever, I don't care. And yeah. you're just like, oh, cool, great, you're a two four. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like people well, hear me say all the time, like, the greater God is within. Like, I'll be like, this is what, this is this, this is this. But you know what? You know you best. <laughs> like, it yes. doesn't, you know what I mean? You can explore if that feels good. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then don't, you know, it's like, I love Jess always was like this, this, this or not. (laughs) Yeah. She was very, she was very Very helpful in in realizing that 
especially in human design, it's not, there's no black or white or one or the other, no matter Mm -hmm. how much some people who are into human design want there to be like these rules in this structure. Like when I got into it, that's what I wanted. I was like, all right, so this thing's going to tell me how to do life. And then when Jess was like, actually, you are going to do it. And these, this is just kind of a helpful tool, but you have to do everything yourself. Yeah. And it doesn't remove suffering. Well, suffering from like the Buddhist perspective, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take being a human away. Mm-mm. Like we're no still, we still came to earth school, you know, yeah. like you can have every, like, every golden thing that you think is important or I, I always feel sad when the generator is like oh I'm a generator and it's like oh because they're common and I'm like are you fucking kidding me you guys are <laughs> I know thanks for moving the, the collective thing. forward <laughs> but <laughs> I it's say like, the same thing I'm like yeah just be quiet about it you're you're when you know that when you realize the power that you have because you're right they think they're so yeah regular yeah. and you're like mm-hmm. like oh ma'am no. <laughs> I know all of us projectors are like, you stop your whining. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but yeah, I love that you said that it's like, it's, it's, it's our choices ultimately to, to do life in the way we see fit or we don't see fit. And these things like, uh, or Soma and color and tone and human design are tools that we really like and that we have helped us personally. So Mm -hmm. In true third line fashion, we tell tell you about it and we say try it or don't. We don't really give a <laughs> shit. But <laughs> but here's our experiment. And yeah. I want to thank you so much, Erica, for coming on and sharing your hot topic of having conditioning in the defined centers. <laughs> that happens too. Everybody thinks, hey, you're the defined center. Especially me. I was like, well, the defined center has the list of how to do stuff. And the undefined center is, <laughs> yeah. has, gives you nothing, gives you it's, nothing to work with. We still have to work through that oh to my be gosh. able to get to that, right? Yes. So, yeah. Yes. And I mean, I know that too, because I had, I mean, I had it with my throat center too, but I think mm-hmm. it's really cool that you being so defined are like, Hey, I actually still have to go through these the conditioning of the undefined to get to the conditioning of the defined. Mm-hmm. And then here we are. Yep. <laughs> maybe we're doing something maybe. <laughs> us, you know maybe we're, we're moving energy around well, things are doing things <laughs> I do I do I think it's a fun topic to explore and thanks for letting me just sort of you know live in real time play with the information so absolutely yeah and we're gonna put who you are and where to find you in the notes but where where do we find you yeah on instagram you can find me at guided place and then on the old interwebs you can find me at guidedplace.com. and i do offer both um in person which is local to louisville kentucky area or kentucky anna um and also have virtual um clients as well so there's a whole virtual section for both orasoma and human design very cool and I'm yeah. sure we'll have you on again because this was a great conversation <laughs> and we Thanks. all have lots more to talk about. I'm sure we do. So. <laughs> all right. Bye guys. Thank you for listening. Bye. Love you. all Bye. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to rate and review because that helps us help more people. Is there something you want to hear? Let us know your idea might be our next episode. 